welcome to the Outdoor Weekly Podcast. I'm Jade Mesco. I'm Derek Neighbors. And I'm Roy Vandewater. So today we wanted to talk about uh, the dangers of multitasking and uh, maybe a little bit about multiple commitments. So, uh, Roy, we've been we've been having some trouble with this lately. Uh, Self-imposed trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should know better, but we still fall for the trap. Why, why, do we, why do we keep trying to multitask? I don't know. I think it's our arrogance and thinking we're different and that somehow it's going to work for us when, it doesn't, when we know it doesn't work for anyone else. So because we're, we're really good at this, we can multitask yeah, when, but when all other humans can't. Right. Even though it's <laughs> miserable and no fun at all. What do you think, Derek? Have you struggled with multitasking? I'm too dumb to do one thing, much less two things at the same time. Um, I see a lot of teams struggle with it. Um, or I should say organizations. So, well, I see teams and organizations. I see organizations do it um, with the multiple resource trap, right? Like, I think of somebody is this logical thing that has 100%. And because I think of them as this logical binary bit of 100%, I can take 10% of them and give them over here, and 30% and give them over here, and 60% and give them over there. And on paper, that sounds really fantastic. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't ever seem to pencil out quite right. So I see that trap a lot. And yeah, that, uh, Interrupt you real quick. That yeah. reminds me of a cool uh, exercise I did once with this... Uh, a group of managers who were really struggling with understanding why nothing was getting done. And I had them write out uh, an individual's name on an index card. And I had them do that for their entire team. And then I had them go and lay out all the projects that everybody was working on. And we put the projects up on a board. And then I, I had them say like, okay, here's, here's John. How much of John is working on project X, right? And they said, oh, about 20%. So I tore about 20% of that index card off. And you should have seen the look of horror on people's face that I'm like tearing this person into pieces. And I stuck that up by the project and I said, all right, well, how much is on this and that? And we went through and by the, by the time we were done, there were these tiny little scraps of people <laughs> everywhere, all over this board. Cause they had way more projects than they had people. And, uh, like that, that visualization of that problem really sunk in that, holy crap, we are doing something very, very wrong. Yeah. And I think, I think that's becoming a, a common trend, very similar to the no estimates uh, hoopla, I think you're starting to see a no projects thing emerge, right? Which is... Is that from you? Um, I, 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 <laughs> said it a few, I said it a few years ago and kind of dropped it, but I, I think people are picking it back up. And I think what people are realizing is that when you do things by project, like projects ramp up and ramp down and have overlap and like you have to start tearing people. And pretty soon when you do that, you get like 10% of people. And the problem is it's never that clean so when i say you know jade 50 percent of your time will be on this and 50 percent on this other thing and roy 50 percent. well what happens is the two projects both need 100 percent of you at the exact same time it's not like you know one week i need mm-hmm. 50 and one week i need 50 and it works out great it's like i need all of you right now and the next week i don't need you at all but it never is during the same time so mm-hmm. you know you you just get into this total chaos um that starts to ensue um, and it's crazy to see like how how much it helps people to not have that burden to yeah. not be like uh, a slave to multiple masters, right? Like when they can just say like I'm doing my best work on this, and I don't have to be like constantly thinking about this other thing at the same time. I'm trying to be focused on this. It's amazing how much freedom that gives people. There's there's another interesting effect that happens there too, which is um, 
when you're working on one project and like the second project normally doesn't have a whole lot of pressure behind it, but now all of a sudden it does, is even though the project you're currently working on has an, has a high amount of pressure, I've noticed that now, relatively speaking, the other project feels like it's way more important because it's more important than it normally is. And it makes you way more willing to interrupt what you're currently doing to work on the other project, which is weird. So even though both are more important right now, because it's like relative importance relative to its past mm. is higher, you like interrupt yourself and then you get into like this weird thing where you're interrupting between the two projects and you interrupt your interruptions and it just keeps going deeper. Yeah, well, and I, I see patterns too of uh, one style of pattern is that everybody on a team is a percent, mm. right? So it's like the whole team that's working on this thing, this product or this project or whatever it is, all of us are some percent of our time working on it. And so it's like the product never gets momentum because I have to coordinate my 10% with your 20% with your 30% and we can never find a time to meet because we've are got meetings right. on other stuff. We can't, you know, like we just can't even coordinate. Yep, it's, it's a total nightmare. Or the other thing that I see is, you know, almost everybody on the project or the product is specifically dedicated to that thing mm -hmm. and it's one or two people are a percentile and then they're like the outcast because it's like you're the mm -hmm. bastard we can never ever depend on because you're on this quote-unquote mm -hmm. other project or this other team and so we're having to compete with you or for your time and that's a burden right which, so which is usually not that person's fault no right? it's not but they get they bear the all the guilt right. and uh right. the brunt of all of that right if well, you and, insist on it well and i think what if you tolerate it you insist on it <laughs> so they bear at least some of the guilt well i think what happens is they become a, a scapegoat that they that they can't avoid right so if if i get jade 20 percent of the time on a product and jade is a potential bottleneck for me I can very easily say like, oh, well, it's not that my work didn't get done. It's that we, it didn't matter that my work didn't get done because we didn't have enough of Jade's time to, to like, we wouldn't have been able to deploy anyways because he's the deploy master and, you know, he, he wasn't available anyways. So like it, it allows like all this weird behavior to start to happen where it's like total victim mentality of, well, you know, XYZ is our roadblock, and so that's why we didn't get it done. If right. you're the guy, though, or the team that doesn't allow that type of bullshit to get in your way and don't make excuses, like, it's really easy to stand out above the rest. Yeah. How many teams have you worked with that are in that condition? Uh, only a few, but I remember every one of them, and they all stand out because... Right. Well, you know, the it's great, not very common. The great thing about standing out is it makes it really easy to cut your head off, That's true. which is the other thing, right? See. When you, when you start to say like, don't even bother giving me that twenty percent guy, the twenty percent release engineer, because mm -hmm. we'll just do our own releasing. <laughs> well, now it's like now you've pissed all over the release teams, right? Like when you've got a department, like they're they're you've got a department of ten people that are the database team. And they're used to controlling everything about the database. And so they give you graciously, you know, six and a half percent of a database engineer mm -hmm. to deal with your database stuff. And if you're the team that just says, we're willing to stand out above the rest, F it. We don't need the database engineer. We'll handle our own database. Like now you just created a whole shitstorm because you've threatened their entire t livelihood. If you won't take six and a half percent of us. What happens when the next team won't, and the yeah. next team won't, well, and the next team? Their won't. livelihood should be threatened, and then we don't have a team, right? And so that that causes all sorts of other angst, right? And I think that's one of the reasons you see this multitasking or this like dividing up of resources. It's it's basically empire building. If if I can build an empire of this thing and then divvy it out as a scarce resource, <laughs> I have a lot more power than if I than if I. Just focus on a small team. It's like the organizational DBA union. 
Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it really is. It's it's the if if I can have a stranglehold on you, whether I'm an architect, a DBA, or whatever, like these siloed groups that you only get a percentage of my time. Like you have to plan everything around me because if you want if you want whatever new thing approved and I'm the only group that can approve it and I can't get you on my schedule, tough toopies to you. Like that's uh, the way it works. That's that. I don't have time for that. Like I understand that you're going to be stepping on some toes and right. people are going to get pissed off, but tough. Like nobody has time to sit and wait to be the six percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with that, but I mean, I think that's how those empires build is people get fearful of, you know, well, we don't have somebody who's a certified, you know, or we don't want to piss off that part of the organization. We don't want to piss off that part of the organization. They might have a lot of power. Right. Yeah. They might they might play golf with the boss or something. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that gets difficult. And then I think I also see a lot of multitasking happening, um, especially on uh, scrum teams or Kanban teams where people... Uh, have uh, ownership problems. So maybe we've got a backlog of tasks or sprint items, sprint backlog items, or you know, however you want to call them, right? Units of work for the iteration or the sprint or the cycle we're in. Mm-hmm. And there's like five of them around um, dealing with the database. And like, I really want to be in yeah. charge of how the database schema and all that stuff is done. So what I'll do is I'll walk up and I'll take all five tasks off the board Right or I'll sign all five of them to me, right? Which totally blocks everybody else, and there's no way I can do those all at the same time. And I just in, in the justifications I see around this are, well, you know, these these are so dependent that like you know, the the person that like defines the schema couldn't possibly be the person that creates the model, right? Like I, they have to be the person. Well, that and I'd have to show model. you so much in order right. for you to even like get up to speed. So right. I, I'm gonna do you this great favor, right. and I'm gonna bear the burden yeah. of doing all this. And, stuff. and so I this, see, this I see is a lot a, of that. This is a warning sign. Yes. When this happens, something <laughs> yes. very bad is happening, yes. and you should stop it. If you have somebody on your team that's the only person on the team that can do something, you've already done something wrong. So yeah. solve that problem. And then then worry about multitasking. So we, recently we've, we've been talking about uh, Play-Doh and uh, competing desires. Uh, I, th- I think this has a lot to do with that, that same problem, right? Uh, especially at an organizational level, right? Where you have competing desires to finish this project, but also this project, even though we can't actually spend the money or have the people or whatever it is to do them both. Are you criticizing that I've got six number one projects? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, they're all number ones, of course. I, I, I definitely see this as a prioritization problem is part of the reason why you get these resources allocated this way. And when I say resources, I, I'm lovingly talking about human beings, right? <laughs> we, we can't slice human beings, as Jade said, even when you represent them on a card, it gets a lot of angst. But <laughs> right. if you call them resources, you can divvy them up however yeah. you see fit. Especially on a spreadsheet. Wait, but, five Jade. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's a, usually a smell to me. When somebody's got a resource allocation spreadsheet, like I know they're fucked right out of the gate. It's like, this is not working for you, right? And it's like, oh, no, it's working great. We're awesome. So you're paying a consultant for what particular reason? Um, <laughs> but I, I think that what, what happens is it's because there are so many priorities that what we start to do is like the only way we can get the 10 number one priorities done. Like we can't laugh that we just said 10 number one priorities, right? Like the mathematical probability mm-hmm. or impossibility of that. Just like totally honest. So what we're going to do is we're going to get a spreadsheet out to see how we can divvy up these toys so that we can get all of the number ones done. Right. Well, it's sometimes well, not even that organized. Uh, there's uh, It's pretty frequent that the single point of convergence of all of these priorities is the developer that's doing the work. So they have like 
like three different managers that they report to that are all requiring demands of them. And they are the only person that can stand up for themselves and say like, no, I am working on just this and I have to get this finished. And instead, often what happens is they'll go ahead and promise everything to everyone. Well, I mean, the, the way the managers get around that is when I come back and I say, well, I owe this to Jade and this to Roy. Uh, what happens? Those two managers get together and they say, well, like the easy answer to this is we're going to split the baby in half. So right. uh, you can have 50% of Derek's yeah. time and you can have 50% of Derek's but, time. Well, but time that can, slice Derek. That's yeah. already an improvement if that communication is happening because yeah. I'm not even seeing that most yeah, of the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's how people get to the matrix organization mm-hmm. is, is they get to the point where th- they all have number one priorities and so when they get in a room to talk about it when they're looking at a spreadsheet it becomes real easy to say Let, let's slice roy six ways right. and, in, and then, then everybody then is to say everybody's which, happy w- and, and everybody's incentivized everybody's to play the urgency happy game. except for roy right and then ultimately none of them are happy because they don't get what they you know it, it takes 10 times as long to get anything right. than and if they would have you know serialized them and said let's do the number one project when it's done we'll do the number two project when it's done and, and it incentivize them to all of a sudden start playing that urgency game where like they wait until the last moment to uncover their projects that yep. all of a sudden it has to be done waiting. Tomorrow, oh yeah, right. I mean you you have to wait for the fire. I mean if 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 you could say like you know this is really clearly the number one thing, but uh, you know somebody's house is on fire, like the house on fire is always going to take precedence, right. even if it's the right thing to say, well let it burn. We're building something much better here. Um, so you definitely get the firefighting culture is like a, a a firefighting culture is part of what emerges when you start to have multitasking, multi commitments, matrix organization, <laughs> when you have competing desires, competing desires. Like these are all like signs that your firefighting culture is coming and then once that starts you're screwed because nobody can think clearly anymore it really is just like we've got a fire truck with a bunch of fire hoses and whichever flame is shooting the highest right now we aim the hose at it until it's smaller than the next one and then we move back which means the fires never go and we cannot figure out why this fire will not go out we just it is totally mystifies us so how do you solve it I mean, for me, I think the number one thing is create good, solid teams, right? Let 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 teams form, let teams merge, and uh, stop cutting people up, and then start to prioritize your work. Like, yep. start to say, this is the most important thing for our company or our org, our team, whatever it is. Be totally focused on that until you either decide it's not, not the right thing or until um, it's complete. One of the two. Like, either kill it or finish it, right? Yep. Um, until you move on to the next thing. The problem is that's really hard. Yeah, my advice is usually stop, right? Yeah. Like stop the firefighting, yep. stop the insanity, and it's going to be really, really painful, but it will allow you to have a much better perspective on how to move forward. But mm-hmm. you're right, it's really difficult to stop. Yep. I think, it, it, I think Roy, Roy and I find ourselves victims of this right now today, yep. and we know it. We're self-aware, and it's still hard to stop. Well, I mean, I right. think, I think we, it, it, when the interruption happens, we're like, we shouldn't do this, but we're going to anyway. <laughs> like, it's like we are so stupid on purpose. No, you're not stupid. Like, what you, you've got a lizard brain, right? And, yep. like, people like to be heroes, right? Yeah. And, and why we call it firefighting culture, like, we celebrate firefighters. Firefighters are these really great people that make a lot of pain go away and are really looked up as heroic. Yeah, and and I, and I think that's part of it is, like, people you know pat you on the back and say awesome job when you drop everything and solve their problem for them the problem is you probably half-ass solve the problem for them and you create another fire for somebody so it's like on one hand you get rewarded for the effort and you get rewarded that you got some like uh, immediate like hey you made the flame get smaller right right but what but the best firefighter would have prevented the fire from getting that's correct that's correct and if you say no you're a villain correct right 
crack. Like, you would, you how, would, how would you let my house burn down? It's like, well, because I don't want another 6,000 acres to burn, so sorry. Yeah, but wow, that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. <clears throat> It's well, not nearly as fun as being a hero, that's for sure. That's true. Well, I'm, that, bringing, I'm bringing matches work. <laughs> <laughs> that could be dangerous. All right, well, that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to the Agile Weekly Podcast. Catch you next week. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integrumtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866 244 8656.